Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry, I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we definitely are not cannibals here. Unlike some people <laughs> may or may not be out in the world. Hey. Who knows? Oh, God. <laughs> Are we going to talk about that? We could talk about it. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know how we could not talk about that. But first, I'm Karen Peterson and joined by my amazing co host, Lauren Humphreys Brooks. No. <laughs> oh, my God. So, for those of you who may not have heard because you're not obsessed with social media, um, there were some rumors this week in the form of some leaked DMs that may or may not be real in which apparently um army hammer is possibly a cannibal or has cannibal fantasies <laughs> i don't know if we would would we say it that way i don't know anyway um <laughs> lauren where were you when you heard the news <laughs> well see here's the thing so uh what i saw initially is just like everyone talking about the army hammer dms and i was like <laughs> I, it took me forever to actually find any sort of, you know, this is what's going on kind of ex explanation or, or any of that information. I've no, I don't even know where this stuff was leaked to begin with. Like <laughs> if it was leaked on Twitter or elsewhere or something like that and people picked up on it. But then I was just like, oh, this is just weird. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that <laughs> in some ways, I think that some of the there's serious stuff going on and then there's also a question about like okay what are we actually talking about here i sincerely doubt that army hammer is a cannibal um i think that like a, at least a lot of the dms that the people were mentioning seem to be more along the lines of like him fantasizing about certain things which is potentially creepy but not that unusual i guess i mean yeah, yeah it's yeah. very weird <laughs> it is very weird and um i have to say i have to say when someone begins talking about oh i really like eating you i do not automatically go to cannibal no uh, no that's the thing not... that i think of <laughs> no although i did see some i did see some really funny memes related to that <laughs> and i was just like oh oh dear <laughs> but uh, it's been a weird week we need to have these things to laugh i mean oh man i can't remember who it was someone posted a tweet um earlier this week that was like can you imagine having to be army hammer's publicist and then like they wrote like this imaginary conversation like hey um <laughs> arms uh <laughs> you don't like eat people do you <laughs> oh man yeah um wow. yeah it's funny though because my co my co-worker and i were having this conversation the other day when this news came up and his he doesn't give crap about like hollywood gossip but his wife does 
and so he was asking me if I'd heard about it and, and like what do you know like people think I just know stuff I don't know why but um anyway so we were talking about it and I was just like you know I'm not saying anything about army hammer specifically but statistically speaking there's got to be at least one celebrity that's a serial killer (laughs) 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 and that is not about army hammer it's just in general like if you think about it there are so many celebrities in the world now that like just i watch enough true crime to know that someone's gotta be doing some real bad shit (laughs) yeah this whole thing is just weird and and i i get some people were talking about like the the, uh, the legitimate concerns <laughs> versus about his behavior versus the the probably overblown ones or yeah. ones that are, are almost definitely not true mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's just very weird it is the kind of thing we're just like i'm uncomfortable with this i'm i'm also to be honest i'm generally uncomfortable with people like just posting other people's dms yeah unless it's unless it's something that is truly abusive or dangerous right Mm -hmm. and there's a kind of a a weird area about what this is you know but yeah uh, yeah there's a big difference between sharing a really creepy disturbing fantasy and confessing to a crime there's a big difference there uh and also like yeah it has his name on it but that doesn't mean it came from him like anybody could do anything these days there's i mean i've seen videos where people are supposedly saying stuff and it looks really legitimate but it's totally made up you know those deep fake videos or whatever and so yeah yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like i i think it's probably made up (laughs) but but also like who knows i don't know oh yeah it was weird though and it It gave us a lot to um laugh uncomfortably about this week (laughs) (laughs) which you know let's face it we needed that uh we sure did (laughs) man what a week it's been huh has it has it really oh man just it's been a (laughs) it's been a it's been 50 years someone yesterday said uh the the christmas day bombing in nashville was three weeks ago and i was just like that doesn't sound right that sounds for christ's sake yeah yeah. no it really doesn't no uh one of my friends um uh texted me saying that like oh you mentioned us on on your podcast and for a moment i was like i did what did what did i say and then she was like oh yeah you're talking about like talking with your friends on zoom and how you've you've gotten it and i was like oh my god that was like 50 years ago though that was you know so long into the past she was like lauren it was your next to previous episode i was like i think that that's a lie i'm pretty positive that's not true i don't know time has no meaning anymore and it's yeah i yeah. told someone i told someone that uh we we're gonna do something on the 15th and i said that on thursday and I was like, yeah, it's coming up on the 15th. She said, you mean tomorrow? And I was like, no, wait, what? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Four more days and the world goes back to normal, right? That's what's going to happen. Mm. <laughs> Just don't, like, like someone said, I'm going to go into 2021. Like, all right, nobody move. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody just stand perfectly still. If it if you don't move, it can't see you. Like, <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh my goodness, yeah. Well, and then last night I was um, at a drive-in event up in Hollywood, and it was for the documentary "Totally Under Control." And I'm just like, I'm really glad I saw this because it's really well done and it's pretty impressive that they were able to do what they did during quarantine. But also watching a movie about the pandemic during the pandemic was just like. Ugh too soon yeah no i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do that Uh. yeah it's really well done though so anyway well is there any i feel like there was some other news that i wanted to talk about this week and now i can't remember what it was because this week has been five years long yeah i i don't know there probably was well let's just forget about news of the week then and (laughs) go right into um this week we're very excited because we're going to talk about the best of 2020 and just before we started recording we were talking about how this has been a really good year for movies and we're excited so yeah what were you saying lauren about you didn't watch a lot of 2020 well i realized in going through uh in going through my I, i keep a running list of like films that i've watched right and um in different years and now i have a letterboxed so uh i'm gonna be using that instead because then that that just makes it a lot easier to navigate definitely but i was going through and i was like oh you know like there there are definitely some that i've missed out on because they haven't been released or because they were released but you know like only in theaters i still haven't seen promising young woman because it just came out yesterday and i was like i am not emotionally equipped for this at the moment um uh but in in reading through the list, I was like, oh, actually, most of the films that I saw from 2020, I've either loved or quite liked. Like, there are very few that I was like, oh, this wasn't a good film. Uh, and there are very, very few that made me actively angry, which is is a first for me. <laughs> Usually I have, I, I was, I've tend to joke on on twitter that like all right what is going to be my blade runner 2049 for this year Mm -hmm. is the movie that i violently despise and that everybody else enjoys and (laughs) there's one film that came kind of close but that that was about it like i don't violently hate it the way that i hated blade runner 2049 Mm -hmm. of course dune is coming out this year so we'll just wait and see yeah 2021 (laughs) we'll get back to normal with with our hatred of you know any Villeneuve movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool well uh on that note so let's go ahead and get started you introduced a great category this year that um I was really excited that you brought up because um I think we both went on kind of a journey with our film watching and discovered some new stuff that we that did not come out in 2020 it was prior to 2020 but just some great films that we had never seen before that we got to discover for the first time this last year so um why don't you start off with a few of yours all right well these are just like films that really have stuck with me uh in in the past year and i watched a lot of classic films in 2020 because criterion channel was there and i was just like i don't go to the movie theaters right now so here we go um, so a couple of them were Working Girls, uh, Dorothy Arzner's film from the 19, from 1931, I think. 
Um, and I, it, it's my favorite Dorothy Arzner film. I've now seen most of her films that are actually available to watch. Uh, I did see Black Christmas 2019 for the first time this uh, in 2020, which was great. And um, A Summer Party Massacre 2, <laughs> which I love and I continue to love. And I'm really sad that I cannot seem to find it on Blu-ray anywhere. Like I'm waiting for it to be re-released. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so I had quite a few because there are a lot of, of films I've never seen. And just like you, I put my Criterion um, uh, subscription to good use and also my Shutter subscription and also TCM on YouTube TV. Like I watched a lot of stuff this year and um, a couple of the things that I watched were specifically for this podcast and others were just not but um yeah one of my favorite discoveries this year was the big house when we did all that deep dive into francis marion yeah and um that is a film that really stuck with me and then a couple weeks ago i actually got to uh, i think i mentioned this before but i got to guest on a podcast specifically talking about that film and it's just one that really yeah I love it. I love it. It really just it stayed with me in mm -hmm. very good ways. Um, also, this was the year I finally saw The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. And that yeah. film, is, yeah, it's great. And it's so beautiful and colorful and, and inventive. And that was the film that really opened my eyes to, um, to how much the silent film era was different than I thought. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm really... Uh, love that i'm gonna actually revisit that one soon uh one that was your recommendation very strong recommendation was the lady vanishes yeah finally got around to that one yeah um <laughs> and another one that it was like i can't believe i've never seen this movie why have i never seen this movie but that's the sting oh <laughs> I yeah i finally saw the sting and i loved it too <laughs> and yeah slumber party massacre too <laughs> I had seen Slumber Party Massacre before, but I had never seen the sequel, and I have now seen the sequel, and I am so glad. <laughs> uh, let's see, I had a couple more. Um, so like, I also saw Bell of the 90s, which is uh, the Mae West film, and it's currently on the Criterion channel. It's, I think that it's probably my favorite, because I, I think that it may have supplanted some of the other Mae West films as my favorite Mae West movie. Um, it, it does have a few, some of its racial politics are very questionable, although I think interesting, and I would be really fascinated to, to read some black critics on this particular film. Um, but she's just, just amazing. And she's hilarious. She like saves people from a burning building while in the tightest dress I have ever seen. <laughs> like she can barely walk and she's like, I'm just gonna mosey on over here and save this person from dying. Uh, it's it's wonderful, it's hilarious. And you, you do kind of go like, how the fuck did she get away with some of this stuff? Um, I really loved that. A another one that I loved is uh, Vera Cruz. <laughs> which is the most homoerotic Western I have ever seen. Yeah, I still uh, didn't watch that one. I'm sorry. It's, I don't know if it's still on Criterion Channel. I recommend it just because you like get partway through. You're just like, they're so like Burt Lancaster and Gary Cooper are in love, right? That's what's going on here. <laughs> and it's just not shocking, surprisingly homoerotic. Like Westerns always have this edge of homoeroticism, but this one was just like, 
wow, they're like really hot for each other. <laughs> um, and that was a lot of fun. And, and then finally, uh, and this one came up, uh, I actually saw this very early in the year, but this one came up because everyone's talking about sea shanties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blow the man down. Yes. which I remembered I had seen very early in the year and is so good and so like bizarre and enjoyable and feminist and features esteemed character actress Margaret Martindale. So you can't really <laughs> go wrong on it. it it's, it's wonderful. And I, I, I've actually recommended it to a number of people this week because, because of the sea shanty conversation. <laughs> yep. Um, I actually had someone, cause I had tweeted about that and I had someone reply or or quote tweet or something that like hey i'd been trying to remember this great movie about like that started with a sea shanty and then i saw this tweet (laughs) i was like good i'm glad i could help i really like that that it it sort of uses the sea shanty as kind of a greek chorus Mm -hmm. for the events of the film it's wonderful yeah yep it is it is uh cool any others those are the major ones i mean i've seen i've seen a lot of great films this year um Mm -hmm. both more contemporary films and just a few that like i haven't gotten to like i I recently saw um botravai which i had not gotten to see uh and and there there's a whole bunch and so i just kind of wanted to spotlight some of the maybe slightly lesser known ones that definitely deserve to be watched yeah that's awesome okay so well while we're talking about discoveries we're gonna I'm going to move the categories around a little bit. Sorry, didn't warn you. Um, But let's talk about our thirst discoveries this year. Who are some of the people that lit your fire in 2020? Well, as we were talking about before before this started, there are very few discoveries, more like reinforcements, Mm -hmm. I think. So one of them for me uh, is I recently, actually, just at the end of last year, watched Emma uh the new version of emma and i remembered how hot johnny flynn is and he's just like and he's just he's i really like him because he he was also in a movie called beast where he plays a very different character from mr knightley but he's always he's one of those actors that's very much on the edge like you're kind of like he might be good but he might actually be a serial killer and i'm not certain which one it is but it's very hot um so so there's that on that note there's the driller killer in summer party massacre 2 which i was not expecting i was hoping you were gonna bring him up (laughs) like and i'm not yeah i i just in watching that movie i was like why is the driller killer so hot Uh, i'm really really and then he begins singing and like does the whole like grinding with the guitar and everything i'm like what is happening why is this happening to me right now and it's so intentional too it's very much a part of the film but i'm like oh my god (laughs) that's very disturbing and i actually um rediscovered my my love of a very complicated and problematic person peter sellers uh who i adore and i also completely recognize that he is that he was a very disturbed and and very troubled person he is a great comedian and for for whatever reason i find him incredibly sexy so that's me (laughs) all right cool (laughs) um yeah i had a few i i'm like you a lot of mine were rediscoveries or reigniting um of of 
feelings that already existed like i watched a lot of tom cruise movies and it just every movie reminded Shocked. me of like yes this is why i love him and then when that video came out which i know there are lots of feelings about that video but i was like hmm, that's kind of hot <laughs> i don't know um but it, no it was funny because like the tom cruise thing it's like uh like I don't love Tom Cruise. I don't know Tom Cruise. I love who he is on screen, you know? And so at the beginning of quarantine, it was like one day, I don't know, Top Gun or something was on. So I just started watching it. And then it was like, as soon as that was over on a different channel, another Tom Cruise movie was on. So I was like, yeah, what the heck? I'll just watch it. And it was like, it just, for the first like month, it just became this, this like running joke of these movies that I would just find without even looking for them i didn't go intentionally trying to find tom cruise movies they would just be on all the time and so i was like well i'm just gonna see how many of these i can watch during quarantine the number was 24 he's been wow. in 44 movies so wow yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah so anyway that was kind of fun um but uh one of my discoveries this year was journey smollett oh she's so beautiful <laughs> oh yeah i love her in birds of prey and i also love her in um um oh my gosh i just blinked on that hbo show that she was on Uh, lovecraft country lovecraft country yeah she's really good in that too she's so talented and so beautiful and yes awesome so i love her uh yeah the driller killer was a fun one i i put a note on here to remind you of that if you didn't bring him up because yeah what the hell why is he so freaking hot (laughs) and i think someone someone told me that the actor is actually like the heir to the little caesar's pizza empire or something and i i just like you know what i don't even want to know i don't want to know why this guy is in this movie or where he came from, like he just materialized he out the craft of nothing. Services of Little Caesars Pizza. Yeah, something. <laughs> something. I don't know, but he he he's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then my bet, my biggest thirst discovery this year, which I know, Lauren, you don't agree with me, but I fell in love with Pedro Pascal in 2020. <laughs> Man, and it's like it's. I was trying to explain this to you before it's like it's so much more than who he is on screen i am just loving the way he interacts with people like off screen on social media and stuff like some of the tweets and his his, i'm a little bit obsessed with his instagram uh (laughs) yeah so pedro pascal love him I, I can I mean I see it I don't I don't personally find him attractive but I definitely get why other people would I guess is my is the way that I would put it that's fair that's fair yeah beautiful man anyway any others that you thought of nope those are the major ones for me like I'm certain that there are some others but again many many is just like oh yeah I totally love him and oh yeah uh-huh. I totally love her yeah <laughs> yep it's true all right so um let's talk about some of our favorite scenes from this year and i'm gonna go out on a limb and guess neither of us is gonna talk about a certain sandwich (laughs) in this lineup actually i'm gonna say something the sandwich comes up later um i I have something to say about the sandwich (laughs) but no i'm mad because i actually do like that scene it's just been ruined by men as men tend to do so yes. yeah <laughs> they do they ruin everything 
Uh, do you want me to start on this yeah, one? Yeah, go for it. All right. So actually the majority of mine are from Birds of Prey. <laughs> um, but the the prison, one of my favorite sequences in Birds of Prey is the prison break sequence where she like just beats the shit out of the... Uh, um, uh, the the thing that's like holding all of the doors closed and then she fights mm-hmm. all of the villains and then she like and she gets like rained on like all of that I find it I found it really invigorating I think that that was the moment in the film that I was like okay this film was made for me this is actually something that was created specifically for me because I just found it so fucking satisfying I had uh, that scene too because I'm just gonna jump in and say that uh yeah, same reasons, but also I just love how colorful and how brilliantly choreographed it is. Yeah, it's really, it's good action. Like, and the the, the slow-mo is used really well. Um, the, like, her movements are used really well. And also, and I know it's a small thing, but at the same time, I was like, this is really, this really makes me happy. I like the fact that Harley Quinn gets, like, poured on, right? She's soaking wet and it's not sexualized. Yep. It's not like we don't see nipples. We don't see, oh, isn't she hot? Where there are no like upskirt shots or down down the shirt shots. It's just her like dripping wet because the the sprinkler system has gone off. Like, mm-hmm. and that's actually used. Like the water itself is used. Yeah. Um, and I really really liked that. And it, you do not see that in most <laughs> action films. Oh, it's so true. So true. And yeah, and it's done so brilliantly. It, it, I love, it, it reminded me of some like, and I'm not saying it is that, I'm just saying it reminded me of the style of Jackie Chan movies where he will just kind of use whatever's available to him uh, to go after the guys. And that's what Harley does in that scene. And in, you know, she uses the water, she uses, you know like a baseball bat you know whatever she can find yeah throughout that scene and it's just it makes it so much fun yeah it's and it's, it's really hilarious satisfying. when the cocaine gets <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so funny yeah that, so that that was one of my one of the other um scenes of birds of prey that i wanted to mention is just the final fight sequence when everybody has gotten together finally and they just beat the shit out of a whole bunch of men and I like I loved that I was yeah it's one of the things I also liked was the fact that it's not like everyone is doing the same kind of fighting um you know you see Harley who is very acrobatic who's like bouncing on things and roller skating and stuff like that you've got um Huntress who is very sort of not like like a bulldog almost she's like just moving straight forward she's really fast so all of it i think it melds really well and you get to see these women as individuals as well as a team and it just works so Mm -hmm. perfectly and i like the fact i like the little instances of like them all trying to kind of keep cassandra safe and moving her around and being like you know you don't need to see this you don't need to be involved in this and i really liked that too yeah oh it's again with the brilliant choreography really great um cinematography too i I don't know if you saw there was that clip that someone had shared um that was just the scene of going down that slide and showing Mm -hmm. the way that um the cinema the the photographer uh had to um had to like choreograph his movements too yeah in order to be able to get that shot just right and how 
it's just so brilliant everything about that is so brilliant and with again with the colors and and mm -hmm. the lighting and everything it's it's awesome i love it and and i think that on one of the featurettes maybe on the blu-ray or something there's there's a point where huntress actually rams into the camera and that yeah. was an accident <laughs> like they didn't she they like the speed changed or something like that and she actually fell into the camera and they kept it in because it was so good mm -hmm. um yeah yeah oh just brilliant the only other scene that i would add from birds of prey actually there's i would add the whole movie but um <laughs> yeah that's the other thing i have on my list all birds of prey yeah <laughs> all of it the other scene that i will specifically talk about just because i think it's such a great uh introduction real introduction of a character is when roman is showing diana around his his house his apartment and like talking about the the shrunken heads and like that scene starts with like why don't i own the crossbow killer i like crossbows and it just shows <laughs> him and like how how checked out he is from reality and how diabolical he is and how much he just does not care about people and it's such a great um setup and and explanation of who he is as a person in like this in this way where he's not interacting with a lot of other people like the scenes where he's at the club and holding court you know with with like this whole group of people that's one thing but seeing seeing a villain like in their more private moments like it's just done so well yeah yeah oh yeah i agree with that ewan mcgregor is is wonderful in that movie <sighs> he um... deserves he deserves <laughs> an oscar nomination for it and he's not gonna get one and it makes me so sad yeah um one of the other scenes i want to mention is uh and this is spoiler alert for the end of the invisible man mm. that the last sequence in the invisible man at the very end uh i just i i loved it because it's again it's that sense of satisfaction it's like the entire film has set up for this moment mm. and there are a lot of different ways it could have played out but it's so it closes everything so well and is just so satisfying like yeah <laughs> it's it's so funny that you bring that up because for me i wrote opening sequence <laughs> that's a great sequence too yeah it is yeah and and i totally agree with you that ending is so satisfying and so well done and it really does feel like the like the perfect culmination of what we've been watching but the opening scene when she's escaping from her house and just the way that they play with with sound um very sparingly and the way you i've talked about this before but it's like you don't know anything about anybody in this situation at this point it's just her and her husband but you don't know who they are you don't know anything about them but you are instantly on her side and you instantly know before you see him come running up on the car that she needs to get away and that she is in danger and it's so yeah. well constructed and it's such a great introduction to this movie and yeah i love it such a great scene yeah yeah definitely i did want to mention one more scene that is not great but it is the perfect culmination and the perfect beginning to 2020 really <laughs> the ending of cats <laughs> which i know cats is not technically a 2020 film because it came out at the end of 2019 whatever i'm calling it a 2020 film because it encapsulated all of 2020 <laughs> the ending of cats when judy dench looks into the camera and says that a cat is not a dog um and that was when my soul left my body 
I, I just, it was just this moment of like, this is something that I have actually watched and that I am seeing with my own two eyes on a screen. This is Dame Judi Dench, probably one of the greatest actresses of her generation. And I am seeing this happen. Uh, this is something that's happening. And I just, it was, I, I think, honestly, I think it was the moment that I completely broke down during that film. I was maintaining myself up until that moment and then I just lost it. I was like, it's over. No, there, nothing means anything anymore, obviously. Just had to mention that. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, have you seen Minari? I've not seen Minari yet, no. Oh, I'm so excited for you to see Minari. Um, so I'm not spoiling anything, but... Um, there's a scene where the little boy uh introduces his grandma to mountain dew and <laughs> it is hilarious and <laughs> grandma becomes obsessed with mountain dew and it's just so cute like those two are so adorable and um yeah i'm i'm excited for you to see that movie because i want to talk more about it but um another one that i really love is in the movie palm springs did you watch that one I still have not seen that one. Okay. That was one that I, everyone was talking about it and I was just like, eh, whatever. But then I watched it and I was like, oh no, I do love this movie. It's so great. And so, oh shoot, I can't talk about what I want to talk about. Um, Cause you haven't seen it. And I don't want to spoil it, but there's a scene kind of close to the end. People who have seen it will know what I'm talking about, but it's when Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti are talking and um, they're, each explaining their reasons for why something should or should not happen and it's really really sweet so that's all i'll say so i don't give anything away that has been on my list for a while and i think that just when it was released uh i i was like oh, i'll watch it at some point and then it's just gotten further and further away and i've never seen it but i'll put it back on my list awesome awesome did you have any other scenes you wanted to mention those were the big ones for me like i say i I've seen less films in 2020 that I really wanted, uh, less 2020 films that I really wanted to. Um, but yeah, those were the ones that, that got me. Yeah. Oh, there's one more that I'll mention, and that is from Nomadland. And that is the scene where um, Dave is showing Fern how to, how to just like look around and just be in nature and just, ex you know, just experience the moment. And it's just such a great scene when they're out like in the rocks and stuff and and she just gets to just kind of let loose and, and oh, that's such a great film too all right so let's move on to um let's see where should we go next let's talk about well let's talk about great performances this year what were some of your favorite performances uh well these are probably pretty predictable when it comes to me, but the ones that I have done are Elizabeth Moss uh, in The Invisible Man, Margot Robbie in, Har in um, Harley Quinn, uh, Frances McDermott in Nomadland, Chadwick, Chadwick Bosman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And this was interesting because I hadn't really thought about it, but then the more that I thought about it, I was like, yeah, actually, I think that this is one of the best performances. Um, Pedro Pascal in Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. And the reason why he's on there for me is that he he gives a lot of humanity to a character that could have been very one note. Yep. And I liked that. He actually gets a lot of mileage out of that character. And um, 
I, I don't think not every actor would have been able to do that totally agree totally agree and that's how I felt about one of mine too which is Ewan McGregor and Birds of Prey like it's such a he's so funny in the way that he portrays this this evil evil guy but there's not a humanity part but like he just gives it more depth and dimension than you would get from a lot of other villains and yeah and it's just so fun because it's like his his depths and levels are like different degrees of of evil <laughs> he is 100 bad and i love that there's no trying to make him sympathetic <laughs> like he's just a really really bad guy but there's yeah. varying degrees of that that you see in him throughout like where he'll have sort of like a like he'll feel betrayed or whatever and like you really see that in him and you don't feel bad for him but you also see that like oh this is a different this is something a little deeper than just like oh now i'm just mad all the time or whatever so yeah 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 he, he does a good job at showing a very warped psychology without mm-hmm. with, like you said making him funny without making him sympathetic which yeah. again isn't that easy to do because so often when we have humorous villains you're like oh i actually really like him it's just like no you don't like him at all but it's fun to watch him on screen Mm-hmm. yeah exactly um so a couple of mine you mentioned francis mcdormand in no man land is amazing um and carrie mulligan in promising young woman i love mm. absolutely love her um chadwick boseman was one of mine too but i also wanted to mention Margot martindale and blow the man down because she's great and i love her <laughs> <laughs> and Steve then the character actress Margot martindale <laughs> sorry yes <laughs> what is she doing here she is the best and she always needs to be in everything um and then i would also say well i would say all the men in one night in miami but i will especially say kingsley benadir who plays malcolm x and the reason that i think that he stands out is not necessarily that he stands out from this crowd of men but we have seen a brilliant malcolm x performance on screen before in the form of denzel washington and what what kingsley does in this movie is manage to give us a completely different portrait of malcolm x and take this man that most people only know from denzel washington's performance or maybe some videos that they've seen and really make you feel like you're seeing something completely new that you haven't experienced before and it's really brilliant and really beautiful and yeah there's a lot of like quieter more undertone understated moments with him that are just really really good and i think that it's just it's great and i want to see him in a lot more things yeah yeah i watched um one night in miami last night actually and and he just plays such a he gives that character and that portrayals like a great deal of depth and mm-hmm. um and also that that sense of uncertainty like you've got this very powerful intelligent committed man and you get the uncertainty that he has you get the kind of fears that he has and that's that's unusual so often we're, we're used to seeing malcolm x as being this very powerful figure um and and he is in in one night in miami but he's also very human i guess is yeah. the best way of putting it and and his uncertainties make that the whole dynamic more interesting and and the character itself more powerful yeah absolutely uh did you have any others you wanted to mention nope those were my big ones okay 
Well, let's talk about, we've talked a lot about narrative stuff. So let's talk a little bit about documentaries. Let's jump over there. What were some of the best documentaries you saw this year? All right. Well, I've got three and they're not totally expected probably, but um, the first is MLK FBI, which I think just came out. Yeah, I haven't seen um, it yet. Finally, I saw it at uh, uh, the New York Film Festival and it, it's it's an excellent film. I reviewed it on our website. Um, it's, it, it's a really fascinating kind of examination of specifically of the relationship between Martin Luther King and the FBI and it uses all of these recently declassified recently declassified material and tapes and everything like you actually get how deep the FBI went into trying to discredit him and and what that also means because although they're trying to discredit him also the conversations that they recorded and the events that happened are not something that they made up this are, they're trying they're they're trying to shape the events essentially um it's a really fascinating documentary uh the other one was la madrina which is about a um i saw this at tribeca it's about a a woman who's basically like the 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 queen of, of this, this community in the Bronx. And again, really fascinating sort of look into um, gang life and, and also what that means and, and particularly the role of women within gangs. And um, she is a, a fascinating subject. Um, so I, I strongly recommend like seeking that one out. And the final one is um, a smaller documentary in a lot of ways, but it's called The Third Strike, which is about, uh, um incarceration and uh and people who are being incarcerated for very low level uh offenses usually things like marijuana or possession or things things like that and these are prim but these are men pri primarily men who are being um who have been incarcerated or are being incarcerated for their entire lives and the efforts of the women, not only in their family, but also a number of the female lawyers on the outside trying to get them out. And again, it's this, it's not a new examination, but it's from a very different perspective. It's from a very female perspective. And it's quite meaningful in a lot of ways. And so again, that's, it's a small film, but it's really, really worth it. Awesome. Yeah, I... I have tried to watch more documentaries this year and I still feel like there's so many that I haven't seen, but I guess that makes sense because there've been like 240 submitted to the Oscars as eligible. And that is a lot of documentaries and I've seen like 10. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's so many out there and, and some really great stuff. Um, one of, one of the ones that really hit me this year was the way I see it um don porter's documentary about pete souza the uh, former white house photographer for barack obama and have you seen that one sorry yeah uh, oh, okay. no i have not i have not okay. sorry i was having difficulty <laughs> unmuting my microphone <laughs> sorry <laughs> um yeah that one is uh it's really good because it's just mostly it's pete souza just talking about his experiences being the official white house photographer what that job means what that role is why it's so important and he does call out trump um pretty pretty specifically a few times but also it's not even just about him having to do that like just 
watching him tell stories and seeing the images of of really significant events during the the obama administration and realizing that every single picture we've ever seen of trump in the white house has been something that was choreographed something that was planned and staged and set up there are no candid moments of him just you know being president and and how that really says a lot about who he is as a person um and what his priorities are and it's just something that i had never really thought about that access and until i watched this documentary it's really it's really good it will make you really nostalgic for better times um i was very happy to announce this week that joe biden will have an official white house photographer and it's like oh good we're going back to it starts to feel like things are going back to normal but it's just one of those things where it's like i had never had thought about that being someone's job and them being just like with the president 24 hours a day for you know for weeks and months and how that really does um you know it does document our history and uh yeah so that that was a documentary that really meant a lot to me it's i think it's available on peacock i know it was on um uh i think nbc and msnbc ran it so you can i'm sure it would not be hard to find if you haven't seen it yet it's a good one that sounds fascinating yeah um another one that i really liked i saw this back at sundance uh at the beginning of the year and it just finally came out a couple months ago and it's starting to it kind of did the festival thing and then it's starting to kind of really um get some attention but that is the movie coded bias which is about how algorithms facial recognition technology all of that is mostly accidentally um but that makes it even you know all the more problematic but basically all these things they have inherent biases in them because the people who write the algorithms and the people who write the code are white men and they don't think outside of their own experience and a lot of times just because they can't you you just you you don't know what you don't know and so all these things that are supposed to make life better for all of us just naturally inherently have these biases written into them so facial recognition software you know it worked really well in identifying the the insurgents at the at the capitol last week because they're all white men but there's all these problems in like hong kong when they were trying to identify rioters and they were misidentifying people and lapd now just approved that they're going to start using it here and it's like there's all this evidence about how it is not accurate on anybody who's not white and it's far more accurate on men than it is on women and so it's and it gets into things like um credit card applications and processes for screening applicants for jobs and for schools and things like that and how it's just they don't it's not that anybody necessarily intended to have you know to to prioritize white men but it's just what naturally has happened when you don't have diverse companies and you don't have diverse organizations doing this work so yeah that sounds good yeah and it is that whole thing started with a a woman who was working on her dissertation um 
working on her PhD and she found it by accident. And yeah, so so it's a really interesting documentary. Highly, highly recommend that one too. Yeah. Um, and then a couple that were actually also international film submissions that are great. One is Collective, which is from Romania. And that is, um, it started with after a fire in a nightclub in Romania. All these people that survived the fire died in the hospital later and they were looking into what happened and it ended up uncovering this huge huge level of government corruption and just problems within the healthcare industry in Romania and finding out that there's like their disinfectants are diluted beyond you know beyond usability and there's all these other problems that are happening. So people are going to the hospital and getting sick and getting infections and dying from them. And so it's really just about that investigation. It's a terrifying story, but it's also really well done and really fascinating and um, definitely one to see. And then, sorry, I'm talking a lot about documentaries. I saw so many great ones. Um, you obviously did. Like, I wish that I had seen more this year. I'm like, yeah. oh, I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. and they're all so good. That's the thing. Like, documentary filmmaking has just gotten amazing. I remember it used to be so, like, these boring nature documentaries, you know, that were just, like, some monotone guy telling the story about how like then the butterfly comes out of the cocoon and it's like now there's this really sweet one one of my this actually made it into my top 10 um spoiler alert but (laughs) it's from Chile it's called the mole agent and it's about this old man who gets hired by a private detective this private detective has been um hired by a family who wants to investigate a nursing home where they think that their mother is being abused and he can't just go into the nursing home and ask people what's going on so he hires an old man to go in and be like a secret agent basically and get to the bottom of what's happening in this nursing home and it's such an eye-opening and very very sweet story because what happens when he gets there is that he just starts talking with these these residents most of it's mostly women it's like 30 something women and four men or something um but he just starts getting to know these people and they're just so profoundly lonely and just kind of ignored they've just been sent there by their families who sometimes come and visit and a lot of times don't and so it's just this story of what happens as he gets to know these people and, and how that changes him, how it changes them. And it is very, very sweet. And it really just, it meant a lot to me. I don't know why it affected me as strongly as it did, but it's just, it's, it's just a beautiful movie. So okay. yeah, that one I recommend to you. That one is available on Hulu. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's see. Well, now that we've talked about serious documentaries, let's talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about favorite sexiest and romantic scenes. Sexiest, sexiest and romantic <laughs> scenes. All right. Well, uh, I I've didn't a- have any other transition for that. So, you know. <laughs> Just like this, let's serious documentaries <laughs> and now sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
no documentaries about sex that I have seen this year. Uh, I did not see any of this year. Um, I don't think. No. Uh, all right. So I've got a few. I think that, you know, I don't know whether these are necessarily sexiest or something, but whatever. Um, so one of the ones that I really liked was the dance scene in Emma, the, the scene where Knightley and Emma, like, finally they're kind of like oh yes we are very attracted to one another um and like nightly basically loses it and runs all the way home and then, and just and then later you're just like i have to take off my clothes this is too much for me um yeah i i really liked it and i thought i thought that it was well done because it actually um one of the things i liked about it to be honest was that it highlighted the fact that this is a story about young people right the emma is very much you know emma the the character is about 18 years old um, Knightley is a bit older, but they're all fairly young. They're fairly like, and, and it's in a time period where the only time you get to touch members of the opposite sex without having tons of chaperones, et cetera, is when you dance. And so I really liked that that kind of represented the culmination of their un attraction to one another and realizing that they were in love. So I, I really liked that one. Um, another scene that it, similar scene actually but the extended dance sequence in lover's rock uh which is the the steve mcqueen film in the small axe series it's on um, amazon prime right now and there's a long most honestly most of the film is a dance sequence but there's a very long scene where um uh the there uh, uh, several couples are just dancing in the middle of this um in the middle of this house party and it it changes and it becomes very hypnotic and very and very sexual like it's very much about um kind of getting lost in the music and the women begin singing the lyrics over and over and over again and it's it's very well done uh and the final one because we have to mention it i don't think that we cannot mention it is the egg sandwich <laughs> uh in birds of prey no one i don't think that that Margot Robbie has ever looked at anything with more desire and just adoration as that egg sandwich. So, you know, and, and if you've ever been hungover, if you've ever been really, really hungry and are just like, this is just the one thing that I want, uh, you know how she feels. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, everything about that, the way that she's watching Sal make it and describing yeah. with so much love the way that he puts this sandwich together just, <laughs> yeah oh perfection um one of mine is because i did think of some uh the movie sylvie's love have you seen that one yet with, another one that is on my list okay yeah with tessa thompson and um oh, i'm gonna screw up his last name if i try to remember it um but namdi um i can't think of his last name and i have not looked it up because i suck but anyway um it's this beautiful 50s romance and it's it's great it doesn't pretend that racism doesn't exist but it doesn't it's just this world where that's not what the story is it's just this beautiful uh love story about these two beautiful people who fall in love and there are complications of course and um along the way but the 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 first scene where they meet it's very romantic and there's just so much it's one of those scenes where it's like there's so much subtext there's a lot that they're not saying and it's just great to watch them interact and and banter the way that they do and it's just really 
pretty hot. Um, and then I also love um, the fireworks scene in the jet in Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. And just how much Diana and Steve love each other and how happy they are to be together. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. So those are mine. Um, let's see. Let's talk about underrated and overrated films. Um, I only have <laughs> one of each because really for me, this year was more about underseen movies and just trying to convince people to watch really great stuff like Blow the Man Down. Um, but I think underrated... Is there anything that's been more underrated than Birds of Prey this year? <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, I find this exhausting. I find it exhausting how I, I feel like almost every year there's been a movie like this where that is really great and it's usually directed by women. It's usually about women and a bunch of butthurt white boys like complain about how it, it's not that good. It's not that great at anything. It's just like, as, as I, I have begun to enjoy using the Frankenfurter gif that's just like, well, I didn't make him for you. Uh, <laughs> I feel the same. I'm just like, well, maybe it's not for you. Like, maybe you just need to <laughs> shut up. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I guess we could say the same thing about Wonder Woman 1984. So. <laughs> I, I agree. I do think that that's been underrated. That was mm-hmm. one that I was thinking of, actually, as we were talking. Um, you know, it's not a perfect film. I don't think it's as good a film as Birds of Prey. Yeah. Uh, I actually think Birds of Prey is a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it's been incredibly underrated. It's been like it's been treated as something that that it's been treated as something that it isn't. Like I just I I don't a lot of the complaints about it again, especially complaints coming from men. I'm just like I don't know what movie you saw. Like, I don't know what you were actually watching because it's obviously not the same film that I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very strange to to hear people talk about it in one way and then I'm watching it going, but that's not at all what this is about. That's not at all what that scene is doing. And did you watch this part over here? Because that completely contradicts your argument. So, it, yeah, it's been, it's been a very strange... <laughs> very strange thing to watch that happen but um i think we both have the same overrated movie so i'll let you do the honors on this one. <laughs> well i think that that definitely it's mank uh i, I yes, believe that's what you said you said mm-hmm. at the beginning as well and i i completely agree with you um yeah i i don't know I, get, I think that the only reason why people seem to really like it is that it's david fincher and um and you know, and Gary Oldman gives a good performance and everything, but it's not a great film. It's not even one of Fincher's best films, and I have very mixed feelings about Fincher. It it's just not that well made. I I don't know why people like it, other than the fact that you know it's about Citizen Kane, it's David Fincher, it's Gary Oldman. Fine, um, but yeah, I I think that it it has way too many flaws for it to be as praised as it has been. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those. I think people just, it, the nostalgia factor, they feel like they're supposed to love it. And so then they just decide to. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about hot movie dads and TV dads. You can go with TV dads too. I don't 
don't have any. I don't even know. I was like, who the who's a dad and is hot right now? I don't. I can't think of any. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> this was yeah. This was a tough year for it, and I really only had Stephen Yun and Minari, and Pedro Pascal. I I called him the hot movie dad for The Mandalorian because he is a foster dad in that show. <laughs> he is. He is. He's just. He's just trying to raise his kid. Oh my gosh. When he cries and it's like, oh, he has a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) He means more to me than you will ever know. It's like, ah. That is so true. And I love it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so those are mine. All right. Let's talk international films. Have you seen international films this year? I've seen none. No, yes, of course I have. <laughs> um, I have seen international films this year. Well, one one that I think I'm going to guess probably is at the is near the top of both of our lists is uh, La Llorona. Yes. Um, which is listed as a 2020 film, so that's what I am counting it as. Uh, it was released in April. Yeah. Okay. Officially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I. It's a. It's a great film it's a great horror film um it it does what you know we what so many horror films have been doing recently um which is that it actually is dealing with real trauma and kind of using horror to sort of expose that trauma and that grief and that desire for vengeance but also just desire for justice uh and and i i thought it was wonderful and it's very it's a very spare film it's there's not a lot of explanation as to what's happening um it just sort of it just does it it just shows you what's happening basically and um yeah i loved it uh one of the others and again this i don't it probably i saw it in 2020 so i'm gonna count it um is baccarat Mm-hmm. Which is also a similar 2020 film. Yep. It is a 2020 film. I thought it was 2019 for some reason. Uh, I think it was like it gets muddy because like if it's released in its home country in the late part of 2019, then it's eligible for 2020. But it's it, it was eligible for awards this year. So yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Good. So this does count. Um, yeah. Similar, actually, in some ways to to La Llorona in the sense that it's dealing with real real pr- issues of trauma and of colonialism and of genocide and and doing it in a really interesting and different way um and also a humorous way again you know it's there have been a lot of very satisfying films this year uh and this is one of them where it takes you a little while to actually figure out what's going on and what's going to happen and then when it clicks it's like oh this is gonna be so good uh it's a great film i think that's still on the criterion channel so i really recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to to go and watch it yeah. Um, one of the others that I quite liked and that I, I reviewed not that long ago, actually, is um, Effigy, Poison in the City, which is about um, a serial killer in 19th century Germany. And again, just a really interesting kind of different take on, on serial killers, on, um, on, you know, kind of the culpability of serial killers, I guess uh and and i just found it very fascinating it's not i don't think it's as good a film as as la Llorona or baccarat but it is it's a very interesting examination of something that doesn't get discussed that much um and then finally i would say i mean you, these are definitely films the entirety of the small axe series <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Mm-hmm. At least the ones that I've seen so far uh, have been are just wonderful films. Lovers Rock is is a gorgeous movie, um, and in some ways very confounding because it's it's just immersing you. At least you know as someone who's completely on the outside of this culture, just immersing you in this culture and is is such an interesting examination of it. And it feels it's very subdued, but it's also so emotional at the same time. It's really really well done. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've already mentioned a couple of mine and you mentioned La Llorona. Um, so a couple of mine were The Mole Agent and Collective. They're both really great. Um, another one, I'm going to count it even though it technically doesn't get released until this this year. <laughs> but it's it was because of the way the dates played out, it was um, eligible for oscar consideration for 2020 and i saw it in 2020 so i'm counting it and that is two of us which is from france and it is this really um this really sweet but also really just sad story about these two women who have lived as neighbors across the hall from each other but really they've been secretly lovers they've been in a relationship for years and years and years and it's been a secret because one of them was married and has kids that are adults but she's never come out to them and she's afraid of her kids disowning her or turning their backs on her or something if they find out the truth about this relationship and so she's been hiding it and then uh, she has a stroke and it gets in the way of the two of them being able to get together and it's so it's the 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 film kind of shifts perspectives because the first part of it is from the point of view of the one who has the kids and then once she has the stroke it switches to the perspective of the other one uh the other woman and just showing the challenges it is for her and all the things that she has to try to do in order to just get to even steal a few minutes with the woman that she loves and um yeah it's a beautiful film and um yeah that'll be out soon so you can watch it soon and and then there's another one that is on netflix and it has been on netflix for pretty much the entire year and i didn't even find out about it until people were like hey this movie's on netflix and you should watch it and that is a son from taiwan which I, is i think you talked about this last week did i also yeah i think you mentioned it last week okay oh man it's so good and it's um it's basically about a family dealing with the fallout from a really horrible crime and it goes into like it opens with this crime that's just like oh my gosh that just happened you know and um but it goes into just like how that affects each person in this family and um it's really good it's one of those movies that it's like almost three hours long but it's just so well done and you're just so along for the ride i broke it up i'm not gonna lie i didn't watch it straight through just all together i took a little break but um but it's so so well done and um yeah i highly recommend that too there's a lot of great, great international films this year. Yeah. A lot of them. So, yeah. All right. Are we ready to talk about directors? 
I think that we should talk about directors. Let's talk about directors. <laughs> Lauren Humphreys Brooks, who are some of the best directors of 2020? So my list is interesting. Um, I, I've got uh, Kathy Yan, Chloe Zhao, Regi- Regina King, um, Josephine Decker, and Kelly Reichert. <laughs> we have the exact same list, except I put Emerald Fennell instead of Kelly Reichert. <laughs> well, and see, I haven't seen it yet, yeah. so I can't say that. But yeah, um, yeah. So isn't that interesting? We didn't oh, we even came coordinate. Up- we did not even talk about this. <laughs> But we came up with six female directors. Yeah, yeah look at that. <laughs> Several of them women of color too. Like, hmm. exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It can be done. Imagine that. Yeah. Nah. Well, and it's like, I mean, I could make a list of of all kinds. Like, there's all kinds of great directors this year. Phyllida Lloyd did herself, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, great, great movie uh who else um well now i gotta look up what i watched (laughs) where's my list um because yeah it 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 was funny because when um i think there was the gotham awards when they did their list of of best directors this year and and a few people were mad because it was all women and um and it was like, sure, they're trying to make a point, but also none of these women do not deserve to be there. They all deserve their place. So, um, yeah. So it's like the yeah. ones that. Oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say. Well, I, just in terms of, I I didn't really set out to to list nothing but female directors. I I, I was just like, okay, what are what do I consider to be some of the best movies of the year, and who directed them, and who just did a really great job? And almost immediately, every single film that came to mind was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm yeah and that's just how the year has been like these are really really truly the best films of the year um some other ones i would just like to mention since we're talking about them uh rada blank who did the 40 year old version which is on netflix yeah which has again been on my list for a while and i just haven't watched it yet it's, <laughs> oh my there gosh, are a lot of films on my list immediately <laughs> okay so good um i would also say um um Natalie Erica James, who did Relic. And okay, yeah. uh, Danielle Crudy and Bridget Savage Cole, who did Blow the Man Down, which if we haven't convinced you by now to watch it, then um, you suck and go away. Uh, <laughs> 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 what else? What else? I don't even know. But there, I mean, there were some men that directed good movies too this year, I guess, but I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could, you could put it in a token man there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. There we go. <laughs> yeah. No, white the point white is... men. You know what? White <laughs> men just you know they have it, it's it's all based on merit, and mm-hmm. they just haven't directed any good movies this year. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> in fact, it's funny because in my um, in my top ten. I think only one of the films that I included was directed by a white man. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of Chicago 7. Spoiler alert for my top 10. <laughs> but yeah. And again, like you said, that's not even just me going like, I'm going to make a point here. That's just, honestly, this year, that's just what 
how it worked out and that's just what the films that connected with me the films that i really thought were great um it just it just happens that they were directed by women it doesn't just happen i mean obviously the reason they're great is because it's women make good movies but yeah so let's talk about some of the best movies of 2010 2020 not 2010 2010 another time please don't send us back to the far far before times no. like not with the knowledge that i now have no, like that's just not, not fair i don't want to go back <laughs> which would you re- rather relive the last four years or high school oh high school <laughs> high school i actually had a pretty good time in high school for the most part like particularly about sophomore year onward i had a great time so i would totally relive high school i do not want to relive the last four years no there's been some good stuff there's no doubt about that like i've had a nice time the past four years but still mm-hmm. i also would definitely not want to go back to high school with the knowledge that i now have like that's just <laughs> not something they said don't send us back to 2010 where i'm like no but then i'll know i'll know what's happening i'll know what's coming <laughs> but you could warn people maybe no but no one would listen to me just like no you don't understand donald trump is going to become president you're lying that's hilarious oh my gosh it's like in um, back to the future when marty tells doc that ronald reagan's the president in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) ronald reagan the actor (laughs) it's insanity Uh it's insanity yep anyways um Best overall. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I will just give my list and then you can give your list and then we'll argue about Sounds it. Sounds good. Uh, my top one is Birds of Prey. Um, like it really was my favorite film this year. I've seen it probably, it's the film that I watched the most and I don't generally watch films multiple times in the same year. Um, I've seen this one like 10 times now. <laughs> so Birds, for me, Birds of Prey, uh, Nomadland, Shirley, uh, First Cow, Lover's Rock, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, The Five Bloods, Color Out of Space, uh, which is the Lovecraft adaptation I really liked. It was very different and, and well done. Um, the Invisible Man, and I just wanted to give this one a shout out because I did love it and I feel like it's gotten lost a little bit. Um, Borat's subsequent movie film. <laughs> I have not watched that one. <laughs> you haven't watched it yet? I, oh, so this is where I admit that I do not like Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh my God. Okay, but you have to, <laughs> you have to watch this one, especially knowing what we now know <sighs> about the election and like all, yeah, please, please. Like this is very, very important. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you said please. <laughs> please. Oh man. Um, all right. So my favorite film of the year will surprise everyone. I think it was birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Yay! <laughs> Isn't that great? We both have the same best movie of the year. I'm shocked. I know. Um, but like you, I watched it more times than any other film this year. It really connected with me. I actually just watched it again this week too. And I was like, yep, nope, this movie is still amazing. It does, it does not get old. In fact, it gets better every single time I watch it. So, um, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Minari. I love The Trial of Chicago 7. 
and it's weird how that is apparently a controversial statement but i think it's a really good movie um the mole agent a son blow the man down and the 40 year old version and let me tell you that 10 was really hard because there are a lot of movies that deserve to be there and it was really hard to (laughs) cut to cut things out yeah sounds good though yeah yeah good list good list yay we had great list (laughs) uh were there any honorable mentions or anything you wanted to mention like any other films that we haven't talked about that you just wanted to not not particularly i mean like like i said i think that my my viewing has been limited i think like a lot of people this year um mm-hmm. but yeah i there have been a lot of people feeling oh there haven't been any good movies this year it's like well actually there have been some great ones like some really fascinating ones and i think that i actually think that this year's oscars is going to be very interesting um you know i i don't know how, exactly how how it's all going to work out but like women have made fantastic films this year people of color uh it's very different approaches you know even just thinking about the documentaries that i saw is like these are not your usual approaches to 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 fairly you know recognizable subject matters but a completely different approach to them and um i think that that's really unique and valuable and they're good things have actually come out of this year and and the thing is a lot of these films would have been released anyways Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that they're getting more attention in some ways because of the very weird nature of of this year. Like there haven't been the big movies in the same way. Um, and that means that we've gotten to pay attention to a lot of smaller ones, maybe ones that wouldn't have gotten as much press, as much discussion. Yeah, exactly. I was actually just talking about that with a filmmaker this well, past week or two. And we were talking about how um it's like because of the fact that the studios weren't taking up all the space and because so many things went to streaming instead of um you know getting kicked to next year because pretty much the movies that got moved were like the big studio stuff um it really because people are just sitting at home looking for things to do and things to watch it really show shined a light on movies that in a normal year would have been totally overlooked forgotten ignored missed and instead we just have this amazing collection of films that the year sucked 2020 was a nightmare but we have just such great art and entertainment that has come out of it so and things that people got a chance to see that they normally wouldn't have yeah yeah well said so well that's gonna wrap things up for this week um so you have lots of things to go see if you haven't already and uh you have your assignments i have mine and um (laughs) (laughs) yeah just like we always say watch more movies and you'll be richer for it so absolutely yeah so we would like to thank everyone for listening we would especially like to shout out to our patrons who help keep the show going that's ali matt heather adriana michael james katie cariata mason matthew michelle monty nanina nicole robert sharon steve tau and will thank you so much for your support if you would like to join them as a patron you can go to patreon.com slash citizen name um all 
all the donations there go to helping us keep the show going keeping it uh hosted and and all that fun stuff um we also do have our ko-fi which is ko-fi.com or yeah ko-fi.com slash citizen named and um that way if you don't want to commit to being a patron but you'd like to support the show in some way you can you can go there to do so we also have our store zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod uh right now we do have masks and t-shirts and stuff in there we'll be adding a few more things um to the mix and uh so be sure to check that out we are on the socials twitter and instagram at citizen name pod and if you want to you can email us citizen at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website i promise this week i will have my review of wonder woman 1984 <laughs> i was gonna I ask about so- that <laughs> <laughs> yes it's coming this week i'm actually i have a three-day weekend and i'm gonna dedicate time to writing so it's coming and um i'm also working on an essay about promising young woman not a review but an essay and hopefully lauren's review of that will also be coming very soon so um yeah so you can also reach out to us individually lauren where are you i am on twitter and instagram at lh business and i am on twitter and instagram at karen m peterson so thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time Seriously, though, how'd you get to be here? I mean, shopping at fancy-ass stores, you're making bank, you have your own business. How'd you do it? Come on, tell me. Woman to woman. Being a pickpocket's fine and all, but I got real potential. I mean, how do I be like you? Well, except for the crazy part, but other than that. Number one, no one is like me. If you wanted to even come close, you would have to go to medical school, become a psychiatrist, work in an asylum, fall in love with your patient, break said patient out of said asylum, begin a life of crime, jump into a vat of chemicals to prove yourself to a madman, get arrested by the Batman, go back to jail, get out of jail with a bomb in your neck, save the world, go back to jail and break out of jail before breaking up with the aforementioned madman and going out on your own. <laughs>